Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. The topic of my show today, May 25th, is transforming my relationship with my mother, the power of thinking systems. This weekend, I have been in Philadelphia visiting my 92-year-old mother. Unfortunately, she was not interested in being interviewed about her remarkable relationships. So I thought I would take advantage of my time with her to talk about the uniqueness of a systems view of relationship with my mother. My goal in my show is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. In my 40 years of working as a psychotherapist, I have been continually amazed at the ways in which people overcome challenges. Today, I hope to share my experience, insights, and at least a, a breath of fresh air to your experience of motherhood. I will start today with an overview of how mothers are viewed by mainstream psychotherapists and its basis in psychoanalytic theory. Next, I will highlight the groundbreaking discoveries of Dr. Murray Bowen that led to another view of relationship with mother. From this perspective, I will talk about a family system perspective and how it led to changes in my behavior and changes in my relationship with my mother. However, before I put on my professor robes, I'm going to share this moment in time with my mother. I'm recording this show in an apartment in New York City. I spent the weekend in an apartment in Lafayette Hills, Pennsylvania, that was rented by my family for visits to my mother. My mother is living in a skilled nursing unit in a high-end continuing care community nearby. She moved there 13 years ago and lived in a two-bedroom apartment until 2017. After breaking her hip, her mobility was permanently impaired. She has not left the skilled nursing unit since. My mother spends her days in bed, reading the newspaper cover to cover, doing word search puzzles, and watching television. She loves game shows. My mother's health is excellent. Uh, her only limitation is her mobility. Jeanette was married in 1952 at age 22. She raised six children, entertained, and ran an organized, attractive household in northern Vermont. In 1982, she moved back to Philadelphia by herself, where she resumed her career as a registered nurse. There, she supported herself, maintained active hobbies of gardening, and played the trumpet in bands and small musical groups. She traveled, but it really wasn't her thing. 
I visited her from Vermont and then California every two months before COVID. This was my first visit since we celebrated her 90th birthday in 2019. After moving her belongings out of her two bedroom apartment in 2019, I am now, I, I spent this past weekend preparing for the move of her remaining belongings out of the rented apartment. First, let me say that my mother is content in her current lifestyle, even though she wishes someone lived nearby. One brother is in Virginia, the rest of us live out West. She refused to move near my siblings in Colorado. She is happy to spend time together during our visits and enjoys news of family members, including her eight grandchildren and one great-granddaughter. It would be easy to attribute her lack of motivation to get out of bed to depression or loneliness, but I have learned to take her at her word when she says she is content and grateful to be so well taken care of. I, on the other hand, was a stew pot of emotion this past weekend. After two years of separation, I was most aware of how much I am pulled to identify with my mother. I, I caught myself reacting to her situation as if it was my future. This brought up feelings of fear, being trapped, and not in control of my life. Frankly, this reaction astonished me. I have never seen myself as similar to my mother in my childhood, and nor did I want to be. I emulated my father and I identified with him. I think the first time that I, I emotionally connected with my mother in terms of the relationships in the family was when I was 25. In my view, my emotional reaction of this strong identification with her now is evidence of the basic unresolved underlying symbiosis and attachment that I naturally formed as an infant and young child in my dependence on my mother. So this was always under the surface and I was never aware of it. Um, over the years, I, I experienced it more and more, but it was particularly strong this weekend. I know this attachment can never be fully resolved. Yet this was the first time I had such a strong visceral experience of a lack of my basic self around her. So as I sat in the apartment, sifting through her clothing and linens to take them to Goodwill or storage, I felt annoyed at my siblings that I was doing it alone. I, I was really stuck with too much togetherness with my mother this weekend. So too close to the changes in her life and actually the shedding of a life. So what did I do? I conjured up some triangles of resentment in my mind to soften the intensity with my mother. Truly, these are fabricated emotions that to buffer me from feeling so close to her. My younger sister will be here for the move out in a couple of weeks, so I think of her too, a little more kindly. <laughs> At the same time, I'm reminded of how I am different from my mother. Yet, while I used to cling to those differences, being against her, today, or this weekend, they felt like more of a puzzle than a comfort. Who am I really if I'm not defining myself for or against my mother? So without the years of work 
with Bowen theory, I would not have been aware of these feelings as a reflection of how close I am to my mother. I would have been living in a version of emotional cutoff as I was before, less involved emotionally, judgmental of her, of her, of her situation, of my responsibility, and less aware of the patterns I am repeating. Fortunately, by seeing the patterns, I actually have more choices about my own life. I share this all as a story to place my perspective on motherhood in my experience with my mother today. The ideas I share may sound intellectual, yet working with them in the family is in truth an experiential therapy. The corrective emotional experience is with my mother as an adult not in a pseudo relationship with a therapist. My first formal introduction to theories of human behavior was in my work for a psychoanalyst in New York City in 1977. I typed many papers on object relations theory, which, is a, a, which was a contemporary branch of psychoanalytic theory. In graduate school, I was trained in psychodynamic theory which is also based in psychoanalytic theory, but emphasizes the conscious or ego-based therapies rather than the use of dreams and free association, searching for the unconscious or the id. Eventually, I embraced Bowen family systems theory as the basis for my clinical practice. Murray Bowen, who developed Bowen Family Systems Theory, was trained as a psychoanalyst at the Manninger Institute in Kansas. In his, goal, it, in his goal to develop a science of human behavior, he soon decided that psychoanalytic theory was not based in science. As he continued his own analysis and training, he developed his own private rigorous assumptions that gradually diverged from psychoanalysis. I will begin here by describing the basics of psychoanalytic theory that are widespread today in psychotherapy of all kinds and in Western culture. Following that, I will describe how Bowen theory differs. First, to illustrate, I will describe my view of my relationship with my mother. The basis of most of contemporary psychotherapy is the belief that the mental and emotional health of the individual is formed in infancy in the relationship with the mother. This belief has been at the root of explanations of how relationship factors contribute to mental and emotional illness. The theoretical basis for this belief is psychoanalytic theory, which was outlined by Sigmund Freud in 1886. Sigmund Freud created psychoanalytic theory to describe the organization of, in, of the personality of the individual. The purpose of this theory was to guide the clinical treatment of psychopathology in individuals. Sigmund Freud developed his theory working with neurotic, basically upper middle class women patients. Psychoanalytic treatment is based on uncovering imbalances in the psychology of the individual by recreating the client's relationship with his or her mother 
through transferring feelings for the mother and recreating them with the therapist. The underlying assumption of this therapy is that the therapist is the expert who can cure the client by reparenting the client. Psychoanalytic patients develop strong emotional attachments to their therapists that can mimic the childhood and sexual attachments to parents. In a traditional psychoanalysis, a patient sees the, the analyst every day, five days a week, and lies on the couch, does not look at the therapist, and just free associates. So this leaves a lot of room for that patient to um, begin to, to imagine that the therapist is someone from their own past. The therapist then interprets or points out to the patient how their feelings about the therapist are really about their mother. The way the therapist responds to the patient attempts to provide the ideal experience with the mother or the father, but it's really primarily the mother. This is a corrective emotional experience that intends to cure the patient of their emotional and mental illness. This basic assumption underlines most contemporary forms of psychotherapy. The, the problems in the individual start during the developmental process in infancy and ch early childhood, usually in the relationship with the mother. The belief is that the mother is responsible for behaving appropriately so that the infant forms a secure emotional attachment to her. In other words, the basic belief is that the child is just a sort of a blob and only responds to the mother. And if the mother um, loves the child appropriately, then the child learns how to have a social attachment, how to have an emotional attachment to another human being. In fact, Harry Harlow um, um, at, did experiments with primates and, and with uh, monkeys and chimpanzees and showed that in fact, it's the opposite. That, that primates, infants are born to attach and they will attach to any warm, caring object, even if it's a, just a metal, uh, a wire monkey with a soft cloth. So at any rate, all to say that this in fact is not scientifically true, but that, it, that, that what's, but psychoanalysis posited that it was the mother's behavior that was the critical factor. So if the mother does not, is not appropriately affectionate and warm and, and maternal, the child will not develop the capacity to form healthy emotional attachments and other significant relationships. This is the belief underlying psychoanalytic theory. So therefore there are conventions in the, in the therapy and in the analysis, in the relationship between the client and the therapist that are also practiced in behavioral and somatic therapies. So psychotherapies that are based on different ideas about the human, human behavior still follow the, the same rules that were set up for this form of psychoanalytic treatment. And I, it, they become so codified that often therapists don't realize that their roots are in a very different theory. 
so, you know, current alternatives to psychoanalysis, you know, actually po postulate that there are genetic predispositions to, to psychiatric illnesses. And um, they are now often considered to be caused by bio biological or genetic traits that are inherited from the parents. And they're treated with medications and behavioral therapies. So, however, even with these treatments, there's a great variation in the course of individuals who have psychiatric illnesses. And the outcome of medication or behavioral therapies is often as unpredictable as the outcome of psychoanalysis. And furthermore, the presence of a gene, for example, for schizophrenia does not determine that the individual will have symptoms of schizophrenia. So, and, and in the world of behavioral health, treatment with medication or behavioral training is often paired with psychoanalysis that focuses on experiences and relationships in the family, particularly with the mother. Therapeutic approaches such as cognitive behavioral therapy are based on training the client to think and behave differently to reduce their symptoms. Somatic therapies treat symptoms as caused by trauma, which is defined by the emotional response of the client to an event regardless of the severity or nature of the event or the judgment of others that the event would be harmful. So that the client could have, could experience something as traumatic. It doesn't really matter if other people think it's traumatic. What matters is that the client had that, had that response. So regardless of the variations, when the problem of the individual is seen as a defect in the individual, the cause is more often than not attributed to the mother who is the primary caretaker. Therefore, in contemporary thinking, mainstream thinking, the problem often lies in the mother-child dyad. When I return, we're about to take a break, I will describe how Bowen family systems theory is different from philosophies about human behavior that are grounded in psychoanalytic theory, even if the therapist does not know it or in theories of behavior that focus on the individual brain and body of the client as containing the cause of the emotional or mental illness. This is Mercy Russell of the Remarkable Relationship Show. Today I'm talking about um, how I transformed my relationship with my mother. Um, and um, after the break, um, I'll be continuing. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. As sea levels rise and storms become more extreme, seawater is increasingly inundating coastal marshes. That can disrupt the ecosystem, and over time, some low-lying marshes may end up completely underwater. So the Army Corps of Engineers is experimenting with ways to increase the elevation of marshes that are at risk. In a pilot project in Georgia, they took mud and silt from a dredging project that deepened Jekyll Creek. Then they sprayed that sediment on a low-lying marsh nearby. And so we put about 5,000 cubic yards over five acres, anywhere from about six inches deep to a foot to try to proactively maintain that marsh environment. Clay McCoy is with the Regional Sediment Management Center of Expertise, which supports the South Atlantic Division of the Army Corps of Engineers. He says scientists continue to monitor the marsh to see how the ecosystem responds. 
but he's optimistic that scaling up this approach could help make marshes in the southeast more resilient to climate change. We know that in many cases, the marshes are drowning due to sea level rise, and this is a solution to get sediment into those marshes and keep the elevations up so we don't lose them in the future. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Hi, tune in to my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. And you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. I can't believe we have to make this commercial. It's ridiculous. You'll think it's ridiculous too. Listen to this. This commercial is about, well, it's about parents being rude at high school athletic events. Ridiculous, right? It gets worse. Studies show more than 75% of new high school officials are quitting because of bad adult behavior. So now there's a shortage of refs here in Washington, in almost all sports. No officials means no more games. Is that what you want for us? Come on, parents. It's time to grow up. Cheer for your team. Be proud of your children. But stop being so ridiculous. And don't make us run another commercial. Because we will. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association, reminding you to always practice good sportsmanship. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. The life of every child is precious. If you care for a child or teenager with a disability and have limited income and resources, They may qualify for monthly cash payments through the Supplemental Security Income Program, or SSI. Call Social Security at 1-800-772-1213 or visit ssa.gov slash ssikids to learn more. That's ssa.gov slash ssikids. Message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Hello. This is Mercy Russell. I'm back with the Remarkable Relationship Show. And the topic of today's show is a systems view of the transformation of my relationship with my mother. In the previous segment, I I gave an overview of of the very simple elemental basis of contemporary psychotherapy in psychoanalytic theory relating to mothers. Mental and emotional illness to defects in the relationship between mother and child. In this segment, I will describe the major differences in the mother child relationship between this way of thinking and Bowen family systems theory. I must credit Catherine Rackow's article, The Backstory on Developing the Concept of Differentiation, in the journal Family Systems 
with her careful history on the evolution of Dr. Bowen's thinking for my simple description of the basic assumptions that Dr. Bowen developed uh, as he was initially studying to be a psychoanalyst. You could see that if you would like the appropriate reference, please see the show credits. So the primary difference between psychoanalytic theory and Bowen family systems theory is that Freudian theory designated humans as unique from anything that ever lived on the planet. Dr. Bowen, on the other hand, began his scientific inquiry with the notion that emotional illness is related to that part of the human he shares with the lower forms of life. Now, at this time, this was a radical idea. This is in the 1950s. It is based in the theory of evolution that the emotion that the human emotional life is based in the evolution of life on the planet. So while science might have been beginning to see that the physical component of human life was related to evolution of life on the planet, Dr. Bowen was saying that the human emotional life was also linked to the evolution of life on the planet. Dr. Bowen questioned the Freudian assumptions that the mother-child relationship caused even the most severe emotional illness, schizophrenia. Instead of focusing on neurotic uh, housewives, Dr. Bowen chose to focus on the most severe psychiatric patients. The view at the time was that the quality or lock, lack of mothering attention in early life created an ego deficit in the child. The child did not mature psychologically as the result of this unconscious rejection by the mother. A critical developmental phase of separation had been missed. The cure was to be reparented by the therapist with a corrective emotional experience. Now, Dr. Bowen found the notion that a parent, one parent could be the sole causative agent of emotional illness to be unrealistic. So he began to look further. At the same time, he did believe that the relationship between parent and child was important and that early childhood events with parents could shape later relationships. Now, from his first year of training on, Dr. Bowen began to include the family in the therapy as a resource for the client. This was actually, you know, implicitly prohibited in psychoanalysis. And this prohibition continues today against including family members in treatment. Um, it had somehow been because of the nature of the transference where the therapist is supposed to regard the, the client supposed to regard the therapist as the parent is considered a conflict to have the family member in the treatment at the same time that it would confound the, this, this corrective emotional experience. Dr. Bowen, because Dr. Bowen wasn't, wasn't relying solely on that, on the idea that he had to reparent clients, he 
conducted sessions with family members present in the evenings and on the weekends at the Menninger Institute and began to incorporate them as a resource. He also communicated with family members by phone calls and letters. And he learned quite a bit about how the patient was viewed by the family member, by the reactions when the family members would talk to the patient about the communication with the doctor. This, is, this gave him a lot more information about the family dynamic. Now, through a series of research projects, Dr. Bowen concluded that providing support to the family and a primary, as a primary resource source in the presence of a neutral therapist, that in, with this combination, that the innate life force of the client would prevail for the client to grow more independent of the family. And symptoms in this case, even with schizophrenic patients, the symptoms of psychosis, regression and aggression were relieved. He began to conceptualize the root of emotional illness to be the symbiosis or the mutual inter interdependency of infant and mother. When the child did not mature toward greater independence, sometimes inhibited by the mother not letting go, emotional illness could develop. This concept was contrary to the idea of maternal deprivation which were, or not good enough mothering, which, which was the basis of psychoanalysis and the basis of a lot of therapy today. Dr. Bowen, on the other hand, saw this as a problem of too much attachment rather than not enough. The primary key to Dr. Bowen's view of the client as a member of the relationship system was the discovery of how the mother-child interactions changed with the presence of a father. His primary research project involved hospitalizing mother and a young adult a schizophrenic daughters on a hospital unit. When the father came to visit, the staff observed predictable changes in the relationship between the mother and the daughter. And Dr. Bowen then realized that the primary emotional unit was not the dyad of the mother and the child, but the father, mother, and child. This is, this is biology, but it took this somewhat revolutionary um, type of research for someone to see it and to acknowledge that this was an important factor in the emotional life of humans. So the dyad is too unstable. A triangle stabilizes the push-pull of a relationship between two people like a three-legged stool stabilizes a stool. And then the family system is, it becomes a, is a network of interlocking triangles, many triangles at work all at once. So before, this is now my relationship with my mother. I'm going to take some of these ideas that I've been talking about and, ta and then relate them to how I, my relationship with my mother evolved through my, um, through my training, my therapy, and my work with, with Bowen Theory. So before beginning my family work as a student of Bowen Theory at the age of 36, I viewed my relationship with my mother in terms of the differences in our personalities. The logic in my therapies at the time was that the root of my problem was something in my relationship with my mother. And now I have to say, I never learned exactly what that problem was. 
but I knew that somehow it was something to do with her and the defect in her. My mother was a nurse who married a doctor, became a housewife and mother of six children. I am the oldest. I was a daddy's girl. I looked like him and I was a good student like him. Although my relationship with my mother was calm, I did not think we were alike and I did not feel that she understood me very well. I certainly did not want to be like her. I would have described our relationship as standoffish and certainly not particularly affectionate. When I was 28, my mother was treated for alcoholism. Even though she was not a heavy drinker when I lived at home, the idea became that she had always had an alcoholic personality and that any problems I had would have been as an adult child of an alcoholic. Fortunately, I hadn't adopted any firm ideas of maternal deprivation as the source of my adult problems. I didn't have any story about how my mother hadn't been adequate other than that she wasn't warm and fuzzy. Now, when I began to study Bowen theory, my first significant insight into my relationship with my mother was recognizing the significance of the fact that she never knew her father. He rejected her at birth because of the color of her hair. He was a redheaded German and she had black hair. He accused my grandmother of, you know, having sex with someone else and therefore that my mother's father was someone else. Furthermore, my father's father had died when he was seven. So I never knew either of my grandfathers. My parents shared this life experience when they paired up. Now, my mother denied that she had any feelings about being rejected by her father. She didn't care about him. She never knew him. She probably didn't really want him as a father anyway. Bowen theory describes this as an emotional cutoff and hypothesizes that emotional cutoff in previous generations leads to symptoms in subsequent generations. So the idea would be that the anxiety the un underneath that my mother had always carried bound by her cutoff from her father, not knowing her father, flowed downstream to her children. So at this point in 1992, I decided to take the steps prescribed by Bowen theory to bridge this emotional cutoff by learning whatever I could about my mother's father. By bringing life and activating anxiety in my, brother, in my mother's relationship with my father, by being interested in it, I could stem the flow of underground anxiety in, in me. And the under, underlying, underlying anxiety that flowed to me and that I carried. All right, we're about ready for another break. And after the break, I'll describe how my perspective changed and how that affected my relationship with my mother. In addition, I will, well, I won't have a chance to, but I could also speculate how this process has affected me as a mother perhaps another episode. So this is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. As a preview of next week's show, I will have open phone lines next week and would like to talk with you about your relationships. Let's explore your challenges and find ways to transform your relationships. I welcome you to return with me after the break as I share how I transformed my relationship with my mother. High school sports are as American as apple pie. 
and going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Washington knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love. If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Washington needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Hi, tune in to my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. And you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. President Biden has called for the U.S. to use 100% clean electricity by 2035. But a labor shortage could slow that plan. Not enough workers are trained to install and maintain solar and wind technology. I think for a very long time, we as a society have made an assumption that if we create the demand, there will be people there to build and implement the solutions that we set as a priority. That's not the reality that we're living in right now. Vaughn Woodruff leads workforce development at Revision Energy, a New England-based solar installer. He says a key to growing the workforce is debunking the false narrative that trade schools are for those who cannot succeed at traditional school. It's deterred people who work well with their hands and are creative problem solvers from going into careers that can support them for a very, very long time. And it's definitely a huge disservice to us now as workforce becomes a huge bottleneck in our efforts to combat the climate crisis. So he wants more young people to realize that clean energy jobs can both pay well and be fulfilling. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. You saved my life. You held my hand when I was scared. You helped me say goodbye to my dad. You were an example for me. You gave me strength when I thought I had none left. I couldn't tell you then, but I want to say thank you, all of you, for everything. Thank you to the physicians, nurses, and others working in America's hospitals and health systems. A message from the American Hospital Association, American Medical Association, and American Nurses Association. Multicultural, multidimensional even.
Alternative Talk 1150. Hello. <clears throat> Welcome back. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. Now, again, as a preview of next week's show, I will have open phone lines and would like to talk with you about your relationships. So please call in. Let's explore your challenges and find ways to transform your relationships. So today I'm talking about my relationship with my mother. I have been visiting her in Philadelphia this weekend. She's 92 and she lives in a skilled nursing unit. I have been preparing a move of her belongings into storage. I've presented an overview of the differences between the views of the relationship with the mother in the mainstream world of psychotherapy and a Bowen family systems theory perspective. Mainstream psychotherapy uses a model of too little mothering or maternal deprivation. Bowen family systems theory uses a model of too much mothering or an unresolved emotional attachment to understand emotional illness. In the, next, in the next segment, I will describe how Bowen Family Systems Theory guided me as I transformed my relationship with my mother. Now, the key components I'm gonna review ahead of time of my efforts were, I maintained consistent one-to-one -one contact with my mother that included conversations about our current and past lives that were emotionally important. Number two, I maintained a research attitude about her and her relationships with her father, her mother, her brother, my father, and my siblings. I spent one with the living members of her family, with my uncle, his wife and sons, and my grandmother, without my mother present. And fourth, I stayed calm and neutral about my mother's reactions to my efforts. At the time I began to work with Bowen Family Systems Theory in 1992, I was living in Vermont. My mother had moved back to her hometown of Philadelphia 10 years before. When my mother was born, her parents had a two-year-old son, my uncle Walter. He had red hair like his father's. After her father said my mother wasn't his because she had black hair, my 18-year-old grandmother took my mother to her own apartment. Her husband took their son to his parents' house. In 1992, when I began this project, my mother lived 10 minutes from her brother and his wife, but had no contact with them. Even though they often visited us during my childhood in Vermont, my mother did not reach out to them when she moved back to Philadelphia in 1982. Her reason was, I have nothing in common with them. My uncle was a printer raised in a blue collar family. My grandmother had remarried a college professor when my mother was nine. So my mother was raised in a professional family and married a doctor. This is emotional cutoff. So at this time, my mother's mother, my grandmother was living with her third husband in Chad's Ford, south of Philadelphia. I began a project of spending time alone, visiting my mother, my grandmother, and my uncle. This was easier because my oldest son went to a boarding school outside Philadelphia, so I would stay with my mother. I wanted to learn as much as I could about her life and my grandmother's life. 
Eventually, I began to visit my Uncle Walter to get to know more about him and my grandfather who raised him. My mother did not approve, but I found ways to move around her. As a result of approaching my mother and her family as a research project, I developed a neutral attitude, what I called a research attitude about her thoughts and feelings about her childhood and her life. Likewise, with my grandmother and uncle. It didn't matter that their stories didn't match. It was all data for me to get to know the forces that shaped the family I grew up in. Over the past 30 years of this project, my view of my mother and my grandmother changed radically. I began to see the dynamics in the triangles in the family and where I fit in. Over time, I began to practice an experiment, <laughs> not always successfully, but I, I practiced different ways of relating to my mother and her family. My uncle visited me in Vermont as a result of this and attended my wedding. When his wife died, my mother and he began to spend time together, calling each other every morning. My cousins and my mother helped each other out. So my mother, in the course of this, even though my mother protested, over time, she became, she developed very direct relationships with them. Most importantly, during this time, I gradually got to know my mother as an adult. I was able to talk to her about her thoughts and feelings as a woman and the mother during the period of my early childhood. To see the relationship triangles I was born into. For example, my mother was pregnant with, with me when she and my father married. She blamed her mother for postponing the wedding. And then for make, and then my grandmother made, took my, the wedding dress she made for my mother and made a party dress for herself. Then after all that, my mother named me after my grandmother. So I learned that I was in the middle of their struggle and not to take sides. I never learned the facts about my mother's father from my grandmother. She denied that there was any other man. I didn't have to believe her or believe my mother's fantasy of a different father. I, I realized that the truth wasn't what mattered. What, what mattered were the emotional positions that my mother and grandmother took and then how I related to that. So the biggest change from this is that I can accept my mother's versions of our lives without having to remember, remember it the way she does or see it the same way. While I'm aware of my emotional attachment to her, it interferes less with my view of myself. I can stay neutral about her with my siblings, not take sides. Every once in a while, I can still get stung in a triangle with my brothers or sisters and my mother, but it really happens less and less. And I never am, never am in the position where I hacked out on it. It's really data. And moreover, we have had many sweet moments, unlike anything I remember in my childhood. When I left her last night, 
we told each other, I love you, which we do every time we part now. She then said she had always loved me and that I never gave her any trouble. She looked at me and she said, you never gave me any trouble. My first thought standing there was to doubt her. Well, but to think, well, should I have given her more trouble? Was that a problem that I didn't rebel? And I drew a blank. I just, my mind couldn't go there. I had no need to question whether or whether that was good or bad. The way I see it, I have had a corrective emotional experience, not with a therapist, but with my mother. That is the magic of the consistent and sometimes courageous actions that you take in your own family. I have just given you a very brief overview of um, 30 years of work in my family. Uh, and in, it's really been wonderful along the way. I have many other stories to tell about it. But I think the thing that's important to know is that the corrective emotional experience I had was really at the kitchen table with my mother, not in a pseudo relationship with a therapist. This is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show, where we talk about how to develop your individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in your relationships. Today, I have described the unique elements of Bowen theory relating to the role of the mother in emotional illness that are different from the psychoanalytic assumptions underlying mainstream psychotherapy today. In addition, I have begun the account of how my research attitude toward my mother began to change when I began to study and apply Bowen theory to my own life. Not only did I walk toward the black hole of my grandfather, I also began the project of choosing how to respond in my relationships with my mother and grandmother rather than reacting emotionally, automatically. So next week, I will have open lines for you to call in with your questions about your relationships and anything we have discussed on this show. I certainly welcome any kind of questions you have about what I've presented today. I've done a very quick overview of some, you know, very complex ideas. And again, I, my apologies to the strong psychoanalytic thinkers out there. Um, I've given a very brief overview, simply trying to highlight a basic difference in ways of thinking about human relationships. I actually have worked with a psychoanalyst on a team and I find that often I see things more in line with psychoanalysts than I do with many other therapists. So, um, it, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with the way that they're thinking. It's just a very different point of view. And for me, it's been particularly rich. So anyway, I want to thank you for joining me and my mother today. My name is Mercy Russell. This is the Remarkable Relationship Show. 